Bom dia, boa tarde. Welcome to another PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. My name is John Neves, your guest host. Hope this episode comes to you safe and sound. This is episode number 64. Back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese football, Portuguese soccer, whatever word you use in your part of the world. And I've got another busy episode tonight. First off, let me just say for all those followers in North America, Congratulations. Happy Major League Soccer opening weekend. Um, I know obviously that's only of interest to those in North America, but yes, Major League Soccer about to begin its 26th season. Yes, I think it's been like 26 seasons and they will be kicking off uh, this weekend. And of course, we've got a few Portuguese that play in Major League Soccer. Obviously, the biggest one is, of course, Nani, who plays for Orlando City. Pedro Santos, my interview from last week, who plays for Columbus. Uh, Portuguese-born, Canadian-bred Marco Santos, the, of course, manager of the Vancouver Whitecaps, as well as uh, sporting low-knee Bruno Gaspar, who plays for Vancouver. And they are some of the Portuguese that will be beginning this weekend, the season for Major League Soccer. Uh, I consider this a success to talk about because, in my opinion, during this pandemic, Anytime something comes back alive, is back again, I consider that to be good news. And certainly for the many fans in North America, this is very good news that Major League Soccer is back. And I'm very happy that I will be at the Red Bulls uh, Sporting Kansas City game on a Saturday night. Uh, maybe I'll run into a Sporting Kansas City fan. Um, I'm very curious to know Sporting Kansas City, like, what's that all about? Where did they get that name? Um, I cannot imagine they got the name from the uh, the team that's named Sporting in Spain. It's probably, of course, this Sporting. But I've always been very curious about the uh, background and how they came up with that name. But again, congratulations to Major League Soccer. And obviously, for all the fans of North America, enjoy, have fun. I know a lot of the games are shown in Europe, usually during the overnight hours, the way that a lot of people stay up to watch the NBA games. But uh, it's not a bad league, and I encourage you to, of course, uh, check it out. Um, well, here we are, round 27, week 27 of the Liga season. And then, of course, kicked off tonight with two matches. Uh, Boa Vista recording a 2-0 win against Pastors de Ferreira. Very impressive win, by the way, for Boa Vista, who's trying to get out of the uh, basement in the Liga. And, of course, the big news tonight is that Sporting ended a two-match uh, slump where they, uh, their last two matches, they had two draws where they lost four points. Sporting only scored one goal by Pote, which gives them now the Liga lead with 17. But that one goal was more than enough to give Sporting the three points in a match where Ruben Amarin was not available because, as I'll talk about in a few minutes, he, of course, was suspended. Uh, we, of course, have Benfica playing this weekend at home to Gil Vicente. And then, of course, Porto on Sunday will be making the trip out to beautiful Madeira uh, to play Nacional, which currently sits in the uh, regulation uh, relegation zone. Um, and by the way, we're in a very, very busy stretch of the season because... Round 27 this weekend, then the middle of next week, round 28, uh, it gets going on Tuesday with Pastors de Ferreira against Ferenc. Uh Wednesday, you've got Braga a home hosting Boa Vista. That's a very good match with two teams from up north. Sporting will be at home in a little bit of a local derby against Bilanetje Saad. 
And then on Thursday, Porto will be at home to Vitoria Guimarães. That might be the best match of round 28. And Benfica will be making a trip down to Algarve to play Portimonense. And then next weekend, again, the schedule because of the pandemic is very tight as we try to finish the season. You know, as of this weekend, this, there's about eight weeks left, eight rounds left. The season ends right around the third week of May. So you're going to see a lot of matches now coming up, especially a few rounds being played during the uh, middle of the week. And next weekend, by the way, you know, you've got matches. Well, you got matches Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then you have off Friday and Saturday. And then on Sunday, round 29 begins. And obviously the match next week to look forward to is, of course, going to be Braga Sporting. Braga, if they have any hopes for second place, need the three points. Obviously, Porto is going to want them to win the three points. Benfica is going to want them to, to win the three points. And this is one of the tougher matches that Sporting has left on the season. And that's going to be taking place next Sunday, April the 25th. And then on Monday, you've got Benfica Santa Clara. And then uh, you've got also Porto making the short trip uh, to play Moreirense. And that's, of course, round 29. And again, for the schedule uh, upcoming, don't forget to check out uh, PortugueseSoccer.com. Uh, uh, the league also announced, by the way, today, the uh, schedules for round 30, 31, 32, and 33. And obviously, the matches to pay attention to during those uh, four rounds. Of course, you've got the big classic group, Benfica, Porto, and Stadio, the Luge. We're usually used to this match, sometimes on Friday, like it happened back in January. Mostly on the weekends. We've seen it happen a few times on a Monday. I'm not sure the last time that we've had a classic like this. Maybe at Tasso de Portugal semifinal a few years ago that was played on a Thursday. But this year, the match will take place on Thursday, May the 6th, where Benfica hosting uh, Porto. Uh, that is, of course, uh, round 31. And part of the reason is because, again, you've got a lot of matches coming up one after another. You've only got a few days in between each round. And as a result, much like we had last summer, where you have a lot of matches taking place during the week, when generally and traditionally, we're used to a lot of these matches taking place on weekends. And the Derby for the second to last week of the season, round 33, Benfica at home to Sporting. And that'll take place, uh, that fortunately for us will take place on a Saturday. And that's on uh, May the 15th, a Saturday. And that'll take place in Luge. Uh, kickoff for that one will be at uh, 1800 hours. So again, for the full upcoming schedule, check out PortugueseSoccer.com. But buckle your seatbelts. We're going to have a lot of matches uh, coming up. And uh, we're going to have literally one after the other. There is no European competition left. There is no Tasa de Liga. The Portuguese Cup final only takes place after the season. So right now, this is about first place. This is about who's going to finish in second place. Who's going to finish outside the top two and finish in third, have to play a preliminary next summer. Who's going to be going to the Europa, things of that nature. These are some of the things, the questions that are going to be answered in the uh, coming week. And of course, tonight things got going with a very big three points uh, by Sporting, uh, which by the way, Sporting really, really needed this. They needed this very badly um, because what this does for them now is this enables them to keep hope that they still have a lot of room between them and second place uh, Porto. And again, after this weekend, we only have seven matches left. 21 points 
Uh, Sporting, of course, is looking to win their first uh, title since the early uh, 2000s. Uh, Porto, of course, still trying to keep the hopes alive to win the title or at the very least finish in second place. Part two of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. And like I said, this will probably be a short podcast. Um, want to encourage you, by the way, if you haven't heard recently, a uh, great interview last week with Pedro Santos of the Columbus crew. We talked about playing in the United States and Canada. We talked about his career in Portugal, playing for Paulo Fonseca, Soja Conceição, um, you know, uh, you know, Abel Ferreira, Jesualdo Ferreira. Um, I mean, Nuno Espírito Santo, and we had a very good conversation to hear his opinions about that. And of course, there's a bunch of other interviews that, of course, are available. My interview, of course, a few about two weeks ago with, of course, Sid Sichero, the Canadian broadcasting legend and perhaps the biggest Sailor Song fan, Portugal fan in the world. Uh, we've had interviews with Bavin, one of the more experts that I think of when it comes to talking about uh, sporting. Uh, we also had the interview a few uh, about a month ago with Marcos Santos, the Portuguese-bred Canadian, uh, excuse me, Portuguese-born Canadian-bred manager of the Vancouver Whitecaps. So please go to PortugueseSoccer.com and feel free to listen to those podcasts. Tremendous amount of listens. Thank you, as always, again, uh, for your support. But let's talk about some of the things that have been happening this week in the Liga, obviously, the big news this week uh, was, of course, that the Liga announced their naming rights sponsor, uh, the betting company, the Austrian betting company, Betwin, uh, capital B-W-I-N, um, is going to essentially be the new sponsor of the Liga starting next season for the next five years. The deal um, is basically per the newspaper reports on Friday and Saturday is 7 million per year for five years. Uh, folks, that is a lot of money. Congratulations to the Liga president, Pedro Prensa, for being able to get that type of money. That is a big, big deal for the Liga. It helps pay for the bills. Uh, the Liga gets a lot of problems. You know, they get a lot of criticism. You know, they're not necessarily in charge of the referees. Um, and of course, you know, having said that, they're always getting criticized for a lot of things. I think personally, Pedro Porenza has done a very good job. I love what he's done during the normal years with the TAS of the Liga, turning it into a mid-season championship. And obviously, he deserves a lot of credit to get this amount of money for the Liga sponsorship, especially when you think about the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic where a lot of money has been lost. And I think that's really a big credit for the work that he has uh, done. And, uh, you know, it was actually, if you think about it, last May, he was getting a lot of criticism because at the time, the Liga was about to resume, the teams, the clubs were training again, and he had made a suggestion that did not go over well with the uh, TV rights as well as some of the clubs to maybe have some of the Liga matches when play resumed at the end of May, early June on free TV in Portugal, meaning not necessarily the satellite or cable, but the what they would call the regular TV that you just get with a regular antenna. And uh, I remember at one point there was talk of a general assembly to remove him, uh, but obviously that did not happen. And, and really good for the Liga that didn't happen because this is a big, big time uh, thing for what he has managed to do to negotiate this type of deal. Uh, I know there was another company that was battling to win. I think they were offering 
uh, I think it was something like 22 million. And I know they're very upset. They feel like the deal didn't go, you know, was a little bit irresponsible and they might be having some issues with that. But obviously this deal that is in fact, they've accepted based on what we of course have heard. This is a very big deal for the league to get 35 million euros over the course of the next five years. And I think the league deserves a lot of credit. And by the way, because of the fact that we're in a pandemic, don't be surprised, like I talked about a few episodes ago, we're going to start to see a lot of clubs getting into naming right deals with their stadiums in the coming months, I think. Um, a lot of stadiums around the world, you know, you see it in the English Premiership, you see it in Asia, you definitely see it in North America. You know, somebody wants to give you a lot of money to put their sponsorship on the stadium name. Maybe you got to change some of the letter letterhead on your letters and put their logo at the top. Maybe you got to change a few things on your website to accommodate their name. And for that, you get a lot of money. And I think clubs, because they've lost so much money, because they haven't had any fans in the stands this season, do not be surprised that some of the clubs are going to start to get a little bit smarter and they're going to start to do some of these naming right deals. Because again, I don't know why this hasn't happened already, but there's a lot of money to be made with naming rights. And uh, it's easy money. Um, it's just basically slapping the name on your stadium. And, uh, you know, with the fact that, like I said, there's been a lot of money already lost in Portugal because of the pandemic. This is a way for the country to get back as much money as possible and try to get back their finances in order, especially as we, the world slowly tries to get back to normal, which as we all know is going to take a little while, but the clubs I think need to do that. So don't be surprised if in the coming months or in the next year, you start to see the big clubs in Portugal uh, start to uh, do that. Sticking to business in Portugal and stadiums, um, Prime Minister Antonio Costa, the Prime Minister of Portugal, announced that there will continue to be no fans in the stadiums for the remainder of this current season. Um, obviously, that probably also includes that thus of the Portugal final at, in May uh, between Benfica and Braga. And as you can imagine, a tremendous amount of disappointment with the clubs in uh, Portugal. Portugal, as I'll explain uh, pretty, uh, coming up in my usual report about Portugal COVID, is slowly opening up. The numbers are not as bad as they were back in uh, January and February. If anything, Portugal has some of the best, uh, lowest, I should say, numbers in Europe. Uh, there's already talk about uh, countries like the United Kingdom. We know flights coming back between the two countries. And I know that parts of Portugal are opening up. They're letting people, for instance, not just with the restaurants and the cafes, but they're also letting people into cinemas. And um, it's actually kind of interesting. I was talking to someone the other day who couldn't understand why you would let somebody go in to see a movie in such a short space, um, but you don't let somebody go into a stadium that is open that obviously you're not going to have a full house. You'll only have maybe a few thousand fans and they're all spread out. And uh, a lot of people, you know, there's just didn't understand why they'll allow people to do certain things in Portugal with the culture, but they won't let them go into a soccer stadium where everybody is uh, spread out. Um, but again, the government's in control. They have announced that there will be no fans allowed uh, for the remainder of the season. And there was some news on Friday night that the Federation, the FPF, uh, is going to be talking to the government to see if they could change their mind and allow some fans back into the stadiums before the end of the season. Whatever fans are allowed into the stadium is, of course, revenue earned for the clubs, even if it's a very small amount. But again, we'll see if the uh, government uh, is going to budge. Um, 
you know, and I'll talk about that in a few minutes as well when I get to my uh, COVID uh, report. Um, congratulations to Porto. Tremendous Champions League run, making it to the quarterfinals. Even though they were eliminated, eliminated they did win that second leg. Porto, up until the point of this podcast, has yet to lose a match. When Tareme scores, of course, his goal turned out to be the best Champions League goal of the week. And, of course, Porto took it uh, to Chelsea. But, unfortunately, they fell one goal short to try to keep playing and to try to advance. But there's no doubt this year that Porto is a better team in the Champions League than they've been at some of their other competitions. And uh, Sergio Conceição continues to do a great job. And, of course, uh, we did have some controversy again with Sergio Conceição and a manager of a Premier League team. Um basically uh, saying that he was insulted uh, by uh, by the manager of Chelsea. And that created a whole big thing where the English press started to talk about the fact that, of course, Gonsei Song back in, I think it was October, had an issue with Pep of City when they played out there in uh, Manchester. And, you know, Gonsei Song is started starting to get a reputation among the English media as always having issues with managers of these uh, English clubs. And uh, I've always said about Song that if I'm going to get into a fight and I'm going to have to go into a fight, I'm going to always have, I want Sergio Conceição by my side because this guy is passionate. He cares about winning and he is very intense. I mean, this guy, you do not want to get into a fight with him, but obviously his style rubs a lot of people the wrong way. And we don't know what happened. You know, uh, the obviously, the English are denying that there was no insult. Some people say a lot of the Chelsea players, uh, especially, uh, you know, the uh, their American player got fouled a lot. I think he was fouled 12 or 13 times. Um, and that's what they are basically saying, that Porto played a little bit rough. Uh, so, again, that's what they say. Porto says something else. And like any other controversy we have, whether it be Portugal or everywhere, you have two sides of the story. But at the end of the day, fantastic run by Porto. They've won. They've earned at least 73 million euros plus more once all the TV money is uh, finalized. And obviously, because of the fact that they've been under financial fair play regulations, this is going to help them get out of it uh, real soon. Welcomed money, especially during a pandemic where they've not been able to have any fans in Estadio do Dragon. And I think Porto had a tremendous season. Not to mention the fact that they continue to raise pro- Portugal's profile in Europe, as well as helping the Portuguese coefficient. And again, next season, we'll have three teams in the Champions League, two automatically. The third has to play for it. And obviously, that's what makes uh, this season very exciting, because uh, right now we've got uh, essentially a tremendous battle for, uh, you know, some people say it's already done. Sporting has first place. I still think they need to win a few more matches to wrap it up. But then, of course, you have this race for second place, which obviously you automatically qualify for the Champions League. And right now, it looks like Porto and Benfica are really battling for that spot. And, of course, they're going to be playing in a few weeks. Braga has been struggling. I think right now they're on the outside looking in. Um, They've dropped some really bad points, but they're still in the hunt. And obviously, they get, still get to play uh, sporting in a few weeks. But, uh, you know, time is running out and they need to start making uh, their move. You know, if this was a uh, if this was a uh, Formula One race or if this was uh, NASCAR, 
um, you know, this is the time when, um, you know, you've got to start making your move. You know, if this is a horse race and they're coming around the bend. You know, this is the time when you have to start making your move. And that's what Braga has to do as well as everybody else. But tonight, Sporting got the uh, three points and that helped out, uh, you know, their cause. Uh, want to continue also in um, when we continue talking about the league, and that is this situation with Ruben Amarin being suspended for uh, basically 15 days. That obviously included the uh, match against Fedence, and that'll include the uh, next two matches with Bilinic Assad as well as Braga. As usual in Portugal, when you have a controversy where one of the big three drops points, usually that follows controversy. Uh, Ruben has said that he did not say everything that he is being accused of by the referees. So you essentially have, they say one thing, the referees are saying another, and that seems to be a part of the controversy. Uh, sporting is going to appeal. They've got the, uh, the ability to do this on Tuesday. Um, and that, of course, will be interesting uh, to see uh, what happens. And then, of course, you have another situation going on with uh, sporting, and I've talked about this in past episodes, and that is the situation with João Palinha, and that is the fact that, you know, his fifth yellow was apparently null, nullified. And then he just picked up another yellow that apparently is confirmed to be a sixth yellow. But the clubs are saying that he should, you know, that's his fifth and that he should be suspended. And, you know, to be honest with you, I'm not going to get into it because if you're listening to this podcast for the first time and in many countries you get five yellows, you're suspended. And here that's not the case because it was appealed, but somehow it's a six yellow. It's not a fifth. And I don't say that to be pro or against João Paulinho in this situation, but it's just one of those things that's a very, very ugly situation. It doesn't serve anybody right. Um, now you've got, of course, Porto. Uh, Benfica's already uh, complained about this. Porto is going to probably complain about it if Paulinho, and I, Paulinho did play tonight. So, you know, they're going to be filing a complaint about it, and this is just going to keep going and going. Uh, but it's just very unfortunate that Sporting, who have pressed all the right buttons this season, have this situation with João Palinha. They have this situation with Ruben Amarin, who's already been sent off four times in his career, and he's only been a first division manager uh, for about uh, 15 months. And, you know, Sporting right now, big win tonight. That should be the discussion. But right now it appears that the discussion will be this uh, controversy uh, with regards to uh, what happened with these cards. And even though the, the disciplinary committee ruled that his most recent yellow is his sixth, the teams are still complaining. So I'm not going to get into it. It's a big old mess. Um, it shouldn't happen. It should be obvious what the rules are. But again, that's what's going on. And that's what apparently uh, what's going down in Portugal. Part of the Portuguese Soccer.com podcast, episode number 64. Uh, before I give the Portugal COVID report, I want to say thank you again to everybody for listening to this podcast. The numbers of listening have been tremendous. Uh, more and more every week from something like 60 different countries. Thanks for your comments. Thanks for your suggestions. I will, of course, always take them under consideration. And I hope that you've been enjoying some of the interviews that I've done recently. And obviously, I've got a lot more lined up in the future. 
Um, but tonight I wanted to go back to the traditional way that I've done this podcast and um, always try to be objective with the social media. But here I sort of wanted to give my objective opinions on what's going on with the Liga. But first, um, I want to really talk about the Portugal COVID update like I do in the third part of every episode. And the numbers in Portugal continue to be very low. Uh, Portugal is among the countries in Europe with the lowest COVID infections. The hospital situations have gotten better. Portugal, the government has decided, even though they're not letting fans back at the stadiums, they are starting to open up parts of the country. Now, there are some parts of the country, like parts of Algarve, like Portimão, where the cases are still high and they continue to be under restrictions. But a lot of other parts of Portugal are able to go back uh you know, opening up a little bit, not fully, of course. Um, Portugal, of course, is sacrificing the spring to make sure they have as much of a normal possible summer. As I've said in this podcast, if you listen to this, Portugal can't afford another summer with not a lot of tourism, not just from the United Kingdom, from, from North America, all the, the that they get from uh, Europe, not to mention Asia. And Portugal really wants to have a normal summer to bring back their tourism economy, which is a very big thing in Portugal, not to mention the fact they want their immigrants, their immigrants to come back to Portugal, to their communities, to their festas. They want people spending money. They want the cafes, the beaches, uh, the cultural events, the concerts to be full. And as a result, Portugal is slowly opening up in the hopes that by keeping the numbers low, it will regain the confidence of the world to visit Portugal this summer. And if that happens, then Portugal will be able to open up and more people uh, will be able to come back. So Portugal is doing a lot better. But again, even though they're opening up slowly, for instance, you can go see a movie from what I've been told. Uh, they obviously are taking it very easy. Uh, player aboard, broad report. Uh, really two ones. I want two things I want to talk about. First off, Rui Vitoria. He was, of course, last I recall, managing in the Middle East. He's been in Portugal. He's done some TV and radio and newspaper interviews. Um, but he's been reportedly linked with discussions with Spartak Moscow. Um, pretty interesting, by the way, because, you know, there's been some players that have played in uh, Russia, like Manuel Fernandes and a few others. But we haven't seen a lot of managers, Portuguese managers in Russia. And Spartak Moscow is a pretty big club in Russia. So he is, of course, in the mix for that job and apparently in discussions. Um, a very sad note is with uh, Getson, uh, Getson Fernandes. You know, I remember, uh, was it maybe a year and a half ago, especially when Benfica went to Turkey? Bruno Lage was still the, the, uh, the manager of Benfica and they went to Turkey. Uh, I can't remember if they played Galatasaray or Fenerbahce. But they went there with like the youngest 11 and they won and Getson played in that match. And I remember one summer there was a there was a newspaper copy that said he was worth over 100 million his buyout. And he was certainly one of the stars for Benfica. And then he goes on loan to the Spurs. That doesn't work out with the Spurs and Mourinho. And then he went on loan to Galatasaray. And apparently, if reports are to be believed, apparently Galatasaray is not going to have him back next season. So he continues to be in limbo. And again, young Portuguese player, big buyout at least a few years ago. One of our younger talents, under 21 player with the, with the, uh, the national team under 21. And unfortunately, the poor kid just can't seem to catch a break. And as a result, he is no longer in the mix for, um, 
you know, he's apparently not going to be in Turkey anymore, and he's going to apparently be coming back for Portugal. I hope he gets a shot with Braga, maybe Passos de Freira, maybe Guimarães, maybe a Riwav, the type of club that's always battling for the middle of the pack to play in Europa, and maybe he could resuscitate his career. I don't know if JJ is going to take him back, but um, it's just very unfortunate that uh, Getson is not... You know, he hasn't won over some of the teams that he's been on loan. And obviously he was on loan because he didn't win over Benfica to keep him playing in Portugal. And uh, you don't want to see that with uh, these players. You want these players to succeed, especially because two years ago they were talking about this kid like he was going to be a big star. And, you know, his star has fallen. So we'll see what happens with him. And hopefully he'll be able to, you know, get back on the uh, right track. Folks, this has been episode number 64 uh, again, thanks for your listen. Please keep your comments coming in. I'll be back next week working on getting some really big guests. I've got a big one lined up for the future. Hoping to have him on sometime within the next month, depending on his uh, schedule. Um, and of course, looking forward to talking about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football. Good luck to everybody in the States. Enjoy the return of Major League Soccer in Portugal. We've got, uh, after this weekend, seven matches left. I think it's going to be very exciting to see first, second, third place in Portugal. Uh, Benfica playing a lot better. Porto, uh, do they have a chance to catch up to sporting? Um, everybody seems to think sporting is going to choke and give up. We'll see if that, in fact, happens. But certainly winning Friday night in Algarve went a long way to uh keeping people from thinking that they're about to choke. So we'll see what happens. Um, and as always, this podcast is available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, TuneIn. I could go on and on. Uh, if it's on if it's on a, a platform that you do not get and you want me to put it on, DM me or email me, peacesoccercom at gmail.com. Folks, I want to thank you for listening to episode number 64. Please stay safe. Take care of your families. And of course, I'll talk to you next week. Ciao, everybody.